are entering the land of bourbon and bad decisions. This is the Tyler Morgan Show on Podbean.com. Welcome to the Tyler Morgan Show. Yes, we are live here on podbean.com and the Podbean app, or you're listening to me on demand wherever you get your podcast. So again, it's another week, a new month. Welcome to February 2022, Black History Month. And in a way of celebrating Black History Month, why not celebrate with some of the finest coffee to ever come out of the state of Iowa with American Pride Roasters, specifically the Frederick Douglass coffee. This is a man who is very complex. At one point, he thought that the Constitution was the most slave-holding piece of paper ever in the history of the world, and then he read it and realized how anti-slavery it was. The three, you know, things like the three-fifths rule, three-fifths compromise, or you want to call it, So many people used to say, oh, that was just devaluing the life of an African slave. No, these were things that were put in place to go, yeah, um, we know if you count all the slaves as whole people, you're going to keep slavery in place a lot longer than it needs to be. So, you know, they undercut the power. But Frederick Douglass... He's a man who orchestrated his escape from slavery. He, upon becoming a free man, he educated himself and he became a brilliant writer and speaker. So why not celebrate a man who was so instant, just such a huge part of forming America and shaping America post you know, post-revolution, post the founding fathers, then someone who went from thinking the Constitution was bad to realizing its true brilliance and speaking out and working to end that horrible institution known as slavery. So that is what Dave Matthews and the guys up at American Pride Roasters have done with the Frederick Douglass blend. It's an amazing, flavorful coffee Very bold in flavor, but a smooth finish. So if you want to try this amazing coffee, go to aprcoffee.com and check it out. There when you you check out, after you buy your coffee, there in the uh, special shipping instructions, tell them you heard about it from the Tyler Morgan Show. American Pride Roasters, historically great coffee. All right, so getting into the actual meat and potatoes of the show. Um, really, this is a show where really look at how censorship has run amok. You have doctors who are being silenced. You have Joe Rogan on Spotify. He's already had over 70 episodes taken down because they go against... Everything 
Spotify stands for when it comes to coronavirus, including an interview with Jordan Peterson. I don't know how that has anything to do with COVID. Interviews with Dr. Peter McCullough. If you don't know who Dr. Peter McCullough is, Dr. Peter McCullough is the most cited medical expert in the United States. He has been cited in works for over 10,000 times. He's not exactly some schmuck who, you know, bought his, you know, science degree offline. He didn't get his medical degree from a Cracker Jack box and then go start practicing medicine. He's done the work. He's done the studies. He knows what he's talking about. So why are they pulling down his interviews? Because he's just some schlub. Is it perhaps that he's breaking the narrative casting? Frankly, that's what it comes down to. 100%. It's all narrative casting, and he's breaking the mold. As well as Dr. Robert Malone, whose episodes were also removed from... Spotify, because, oh no, he's saying things about mRNA vaccines that can't be true because it's against the narrative. Again, the powers that be, I'm not going to say the left or the right, because there's, frankly, people on both sides of the whole COVID debate. It's, it's, pro, it's the unibrow party. They all want the same thing. More power. And so they have to go out of their way to make sure the narrative that they want you to know is the only narrative available. You have you had the Surgeon General of the United States earlier this week urging platforms like Facebook, social uh, Twitter, Spotify, to be the one to be the ones because you know, the government they can't shut down free speech, but you know who can because they're not con- they're not uh, stopped by this pesky little thing called the Constitution and the First Amendment. Social media can, yes, that's right. These platforms they 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 have a right and a responsibility to protect its users. From harmful things like those mean old people saying horrible things about these drugs. These drugs that even though they're, they've been shown by lots of studies across the world to actually stop coronavirus. They're going to make people want to take those drugs. And then they'll all die. And it, it's... Ridiculous that you know you have a government official encouraging this from private industry. Yeah, you know, the last time I checked, when the government starts telling private industry what they should or shouldn't be doing, um, see, who were some people who were really good at you know making the trains run on time? Because we told the people running the trains make them run on time. Or else. I don't know. 
Benito Mussolini, Adolf Hitler. Um, there's an American guy. He's president for like, he's like elected four times for president. I can't think of his name. Oh, yeah, Roosevelt. I know what you're thinking. Did you just call Franklin Delano Roosevelt the man who sent us to war to fight against fascism and imperialist Japan? Did you just call him a fascist? Why, yes, yes, I did. You know who else called him a fascist? Hitler and Mussolini. They actually said it in quite a praiseworthy way. They called him a fellow fascist. But hey, fascism is only a tool of the right. The left would never would never want private business and corporations being cahoots. Unless they're the right private corporations. But I digress. But I want to look at some of these things. Um, like I said, Spotify has already started the taking down of Joe Rogan's podcast because, well, it's uh it's problematic. Yeah, these episodes are they're not good. Well, a story that really hasn't gotten a whole lot of feedback. I'm getting this from just the news. Medical Journal hints at Facebook lawsuit for throttling investigation of COVID vaccine trial. Oh, very interesting. All right, so the fact-checking industry, empowered by the vast resources of social media giants, is under sustained scrutiny amid possible legal battle among British Medical Journal, Facebook owner Meta, and a contractor it pays to flag purported COVID-19 misinformation. Facebook stopped some readers from sharing a BMJ investigation of data integrity, Issues in a Pfizer COVID vaccine trial, BMJ editors wrote in an open letter to Meta CEO Mark Zuckerberg in November. It also slapped missing context labels on posts that went through warning users they could be penalized for sharing the article. Hmm. Contractor lead story seemed more interested, however, in promoting guilt by association than policing political views or promoting guilt by association and policing political views than checking the facts, the journal's editors wrote in a blistering New Statesman op-ed last week. The disputes have major implications for the public's ability to follow ongoing scientific debates around COVID, especially on masks, vaccines, and other treatments. The disputes have major implications for the public's ability to follow ongoing... I just read that. Facebook throttled a Reason article questioning a school mask study cited repeatedly by the CDC. Yes, that's right, ladies and gentlemen. If the CDC can quote it, you can't because, hey, Reason Magazine's a bunch of crazy libertarians. They couldn't possibly understand what they're quoting, even if the Centers for Disease Control are quoting it. Anywho's that is decided repeatedly by CDC on the word of a different fact checker, science feedback, which later admitted to falsely attributing claims. 
Asked about rumors that was contemplating litigation against Meta or lead stories, BMJ spokesperson Emma Dickinson wrote in an email, quote, The BMJ is considering all available options. A defamation lawsuit would be easier in the UK, which, unlike the US, favors plaintiffs. Facebook didn't respond to queries, but Lead Stories editor Alan Duke told Just News the organization is, quote, very confident about our fact-checking work and stand by everything we've written, including two follow-up articles in response to BMJ allegations. We've been very transparent, yes. He noted the organization has defeated two fact-check lawsuits in the U.S. by conservative pundits Candace Owens and Gateway Pundit publisher Jim Hoft. BMJ's November investigation was based on documents turned over by a whistleblower at Pfizer contractor Ventavia, Brooke Jackson, whom BMJ describes as a 15-year veteran of clinical research coordination and management. The report was one of the final items tweeted by mRNA vaccine pioneer-turned-critic Robert Malone before Twitter kicked him off the platform in December. Anti-vaccine activist Robert F. Kennedy Jr. also reprinted it as he had other investigations written by the author Paul Thacker. Lee Story said the flaws identified by Jackson, quote, would not disqualify the main Pfizer vaccine trial, but it didn't question the assertions in the report. The BMJ editors wrote on January 29th, <clears throat> the fact check contractor also emphasized that Jackson does not express the unreserved support for COVID vaccines on her Twitter account, and later it minimized her qualifications. Two days later, New, New Statesman op-ed, Lead Stories defended its choices at length in a blog post titled Context Matters. It faulted BMJ, the British Medical Journal, for opening with a quote by Pfizer CEO Albert Borla, you know, the veterinarian, and mentioning the company... 24 times by name, even though the problems were at Ventavia. Facebook users responded by wildly misinterpreting and overstating the article, said the contractor. When your headline or article causes a large number of readers to conclude things you didn't write, you are doing something wrong. And I am concluding, based on their writing, that even if you had all the evidence that proved that they were wrong in their assessment and that you wrote everything as should be just to lay out the evidence, they would still hold by the fact check because fact checking is what we do here. Yes, fact checking. We must check the facts, even though it's more like staying in line with the narrative. Uh, when BMJ first protested, Duke passed the buck to Facebook for the missing context label, which refers to otherwise true or real content. But he also noted the BMJ report was being shared by anti-vaccine activists. Well, so? Who cares who's sharing it? So it should only be shared by people who are 100% for the vaccine? People who are... Generally pro-vaccine, anti-mandates. Who's allowed to share it? 
between phys- physicians and pharmaceutical companies for the Senate Finance Committee and the Republicans. They're not fact-checking facts, Thacker told, told the heterodox liberal writer Matt Taibbi this week. What they're doing is checking narratives. Yeah, and Matt Taibbi, he has turned into one of these um, weird bed, political bedfellows. Because, yes, he is very liberal, but at the same time, he kind of has a a lot of respect for people stating what they believe to be true. He might not always agree with them, but you know what? If they're being intellectually honest in their opinion, I'll at least hear them out. You know, maybe what they have to say is right. Maybe they look at things from a way that I don't, and so I should at least give them the benefit of the doubt and hear what they have to say. That is how a lot of people, Surprising bedfellows on the left have been lately. Um, oh, darn it. You know, obviously Bill Maher is one of them. Uh, Tulsi Gabbard has been like this for, since the 2016 election. She's very, like, you know, I might not agree with the people on the right, but you know, if they're coming at me honestly and not attacking me based on my ideology or based on their ideology, they're just attacking the facts with, attacking the narrative with facts, she'll hear them out. Again, she might not come draw the same conclusions based on the facts, but hey, that's where, that's where debate is needed. That way we can hammer out the actual details. Now, the significance of the controversy is showing how easily showing how easily reporting that is true can be made to look untrue or conspiratorial, tarring good journalism because controversial figures share it, Taibbi wrote. BMJ itself was accused of sloppiness with facts shortly before the Pfizer contractor investigation was published. It retracted claims about the purported funding of funding sources of anti-lockdown Great Barrington Declaration and its authors' associations following complaints by one of them former Harvard Medical School epidemiologist Martin Koldor. Beyond policing narratives, fact-checkers may seize on one element of a source to discredit or distract from the broader themes of that source. Washington Post fact-checker Glenn Kessler issued four Pinocchios to Wisconsin Senator Ron Johnson's claim about hearing story after story of athletes dropping dead on the field after taking COVID vaccines. Kessler claimed Johnson was relying on debunked foreign sources that lacked or buried disclaimers that correlation does not equal causation. But the fact checker also buried counterexample in the 28th of the 42 paragraph article. Kessler noted that U.S. website's video, Why Are Healthy Athletes Collapsing?, included a disclaimer that a casual link has not been established between the vaccine and athletes' deaths. Noting Senator Johnson routinely cites reports from Vaccine Adverse Events Reporting System, co-run by the CDC and FDA, Kessler said, Anyone can submit a report to VAERS, and the reports are not verified. The numbers are basically meaningless. CDC Vaccine Task Force spokesperson Martha Sharon declined to evaluate Kessler's characterization, but walked just the news through VAERS. More than half reports for COVID vaccines between January 1st, 2021 and February 1st, 2022 
were filed by manufacturers or healthcare providers, and 35% by patients. COVID vaccine reports, 742,007, were about 95% of all vaccine reports during that time. Healthcare providers themselves determine the cause of serious adverse events, and the officials who and the official who completes the death certificate or pathologist who conducts the autopsy determines the cause of death, Sharon said. FDA spokesperson said the VAERS mandatory reporting requirements for vaccine makers and administrators were highly successful, as in 2021, VAERS received over a million reports of adverse events compared to approximately 50,000 reports received in previous years. Vaccine causing the event and that it's unreliable to compare COVID vaccine reports to previous years because of this robust reporting. A more suitable analysis to use the reporting rate for a particular adverse event in VAERS and compare it to the background rate in the general population. This is how the Fed's flag post-vaccine safety signals for Guillain-Barre syndrome, thrombosis with thrombocytopenia, myocarditis, and anaphylaxis. Kessler's fact check did not contest the broad theme of Johnson's second opinion COVID panel discussion featuring military doctors. Citing medical billing code data captured by Defense Medical Epidemiology Database, the doctors found sharp spikes in miscarriages, myocarditis, cancer diagnoses, Bell's palsy, and female infertility in the first 10 months of 2021 when COVID vaccines became widely available. Asked to elaborate on why VAERS numbers are basically meaningless, Kessel referred to just the news, referred just the news to Washington Post PR. Director of Communications Molly Gannon-Conway wrote in an email that Kessel was referring to Johnson's use of the numbers, not VAERS itself. So basically... By using numbers, oh, oh, VAERS isn't wrong. It's the numbers are wrong. Well, okay, if the person reporting it is a doctor saying, yes, this patient has not had any health issues, does not have any underlying health issues, got the vaccine, and then all of a sudden his heart is inflamed, and is swollen, and you know is diagnosed with myocarditis. It is fair to say it's possible that he got it from the shot. I know a lot of people are putting, are trying to walk away from the shot because, you know, oh myocarditis. Well, it, it turns out that you have a higher likelihood of developing myocarditis from having COVID than from the than from the shot itself. But again, with a new virus, you really don't know what the effects are until it actually hits the population. And when it comes to the censorship crap, you know, it's even worse when if you work at a hospital and you're going, you know, in India they've had Lots of success with this medication on COVID. In Japan, they just did a study that shows it has, you know, definite antiviral effects on this virus. 
all around the world. It's been prescribed and it has observational data only. You know, not a uh, full on, well, we gave these people placebos and then we gave these people, gave these people the ivermectin. And so now, and so now, you know, we can compare and contrast. The fact of the matter is, if in United States law, if a doctor believes a medicine can be prescribed off-label because it's an approved medicine, and the doctor has a reasonable belief that this medication, when prescribed off-label, will be successful in treating an illness or symptoms of an illness. You know, my wife has PMDD. PMDD is a you know side effect of having a PCOS. You know what they gave her to treat the PMDD? Antidepressants. Because, guess what? Even though she doesn't have depression, the active ingredients within within this medication helps with the symptoms of PMDD. So because of that, she was prescribed a medication off-label to be able to treat a condition. Going through fertility treatments, she was prescribed a medication that is typically only used when treating certain types of cancers because they have seen that using it off-label for infertility treatments, it increases certain hormones in the body that makes, you know, trying to get pregnant easier. It's not one of those crazy things that we do. So when they prescribe hydroxychloroquine, which is, yes, a malaria drug, when they prescribe it off-label to treat lupus, no one loses their minds that they use it to treat lupus from any of the 20 other conditions that are not lupus or malaria that they prescribe hydroxychloroquine for, no one loses their minds. But the minute you use it to treat COVID, oh my God. Ivermectin was discovered that you can use it off-label to treat yellow fever. Last time I checked, yellow fever is a viral infection. It was used in India to take a, you know, a massive delta spike and stop it dead in its tracks. However, You can't use it, or it's highly frowned upon in the United States to use it because 
obviously only non-white people do this. This is the most racist, xenophobic excuse I have ever seen to not use a medication off-label when it's been shown to be effective, even through observational study, not, it's a double-blind, double-blind controlled test experiment thing. It shouldn't matter if a country that is very poor but has this medication all over the place can prescribe it and give it to patients with COVID and treat it early and it works. Why can't we do it here? Why do people lose their minds here? Again, this goes back to the first thing I said when, when talking about the you know, fact-checking thing. They're not checking facts. They're checking narratives. You know, ev- even people are downplaying the, Jap- the Japan study that came out that, you know, Reuters ran a headline. Is it effective against Omicron variant? Then they edited it to, has antiviral effects on COVID and the Ov- Omicron variant. Really? Come on now. But now you have a doctor in Houston who she was fired because, well, she said, no, I'm going to prescribe this because all these studies and you know real-time data from around the world shows that it works. So she was suspended. Well, it gets better. Dr. Mary Bowden, an ear, nose, and throat specialist, has had a video censored by YouTube. Whoops. The video was her announcement of her lawsuit against Houston's Methodist Hospital, from which she had privileges suspended last year, soon after she took to social media, promoting ivermectin as a treatment for COVID. Because, again, real-time studies from around the world observational data on patients who were taking it and patients who were not taking it. You can, you have a control group in the United States of patients who are not getting treat early treatment who end up in a hospital, end up on ventilators or end up dead versus a billion people in India. You have two thirds of them taking this same little medicine and, Oh, they recover fairly quickly. That seems to be a that seems to be a pretty good control group versus the experimental group, but I digress. I'm not a scientist. I don't know science. The scientific method, what is that? Dr. Bowden studied medicine at both the University of Texas and Stanford University. Those of you who don't know, neither of those are, you know, some backwoods JUCOs. Those are very prestigious medical colleges and had used social media to push back against vaccine mandates. In one social media post, Dr. Bounds said that she was focusing her attention on treating the unvaccinated. In November, Houston Methodist Hospital suspended Dr. Bowden and made a statement saying she was spreading dangerous misinformation about COVID. Dr. Bowden says she is fighting back against what she says is the hospital's secrecy. Medical freedom has been hijacked by hospitals, big pharma, insurance companies, and the federal agencies, said Bowden during a press conference. 
Dr. Bounds' complaint argues that the state law requires nonprofit corporations to provide financial tra- transparency. Oh, and they're a nonprofit hospital. Along with an investigative reporter, Wayne Dostofino, Dr. Bound made a formal request for, for financial data from Methodists at the end of last year. They say they got no response and are now suing for the data. Dr. Bound's lawsuit is requesting public disclosure of the revenue the hospital has generated during the COVID vaccine program, as well as reimbursements of payments received from insurance companies, patients, and even the government. The lawsuit also requests transactions between the hospital and pharmaceutical companies. And this week, the video of her announcement of the lawsuit was taken down. Uh, In the email she received from YouTube, Hi, BreatheMD. Our team has reviewed your content, and unfortunately, we think it violates our medical misinformation policy. We've removed the, the following content from YouTube. Video. Dr. Mary Bowden announces lawsuit against Houston Methodist Hospital to obtain financial records. Again, that has nothing to do with COVID or misinformation. Does she have beliefs that the hospital was being shady and underhanded AF? Yeah. And if under their state laws... They have a requirement to, you know, be transparent with, you know, all their financials because they are a nonprofit hospital. Then why the subterfuge? Now I'm not saying the hospital is in cahoots with YouTube to take the video down, but why can't you have a video that you made and put up for people to look at and go, huh? That's interesting. I wonder why they're hiding that information. But in the end, the fact that YouTube would take down a video announcing a lawsuit just because reasons and and hiding behind a medical misinformation label, even though there was no medical misinformation being given, I mean... If in your video you're saying, this is what I believe they're doing, and this is why I'm asking for these lawsuits, this is why I'm putting this lawsuit in place, this is why I'm asking for these documents, that's not medical misinformation. That's not even you know spreading wild conspiracy theories. That's saying, I have a suspicion, and I'm asking for this stuff because I think it might prove my suspicion. Then again, it could, make my, it could prove me wrong. And if I'm wrong, oh well. But anyways, that's the state of the world. And honestly, I hate it. Drizzly is the leading home alcohol delivery service available. Imagine being able to sit at home and pull up your smartphone and browse your favorite wine, beer, spirits and then have it delivered to your home in as little as one hour go to drizzly.com or check out the link in the show notes and start shopping today not available in all areas please drink responsibly drizzly.com 
So I'm going to talk to you about Built Bar. We've all had protein bars before. Most of them taste like cardboard and they're gross, nasty, and leave a funky aftertaste in your mouth. Built Bar, their goal for starting off was flavor first. Every bar is covered in either pure dark chocolate or white chocolate for those special ones that come out. You have nine regular flavors, and then they have the special flavors they bring out every so often. They are absolutely amazing. My, personally, my favorite, mint brownie. Oh, my God. So go to Built.com. Check it out. Go to their selection of Built Bars. Built Go Energy Drink. Uh, Built Broth. All their, all their fine selections of amazing products. Built.com. Use the promo code RELENTLESS to save 10%. Built.com. All right, uh, welcome back from the little that little brief intermission. Uh, yes, I had to pay some bills. And speaking of bills, one last bill I have to pay. Let me tell you about keto chow. I know it, it's that time of year. You're just started, and you know maybe you have your diet plans not working out quite right, and it's just uh, you need something to kind of fill the gap. You know, you, maybe you just want to have something to replace a meal. This is where Keto Chow comes in. They have an amazing assortment and selection of shake powders that you can just mix up. It's one packet or a scoop of the flavor you want, four ounces of whatever fat you want to use, melted butter, avocado oil, MCT oil, heavy whipping cream, whatever. And then 14 ounces of water, shake it up, throw it in the fridge overnight. You want to make it a little extra thick, put a little powdered gelatin in there when you mix it up telling you it's the bomb um there's so many great flavors at christmas time they had eggnog flavor which i'm an eggnog guy and face it real eggnog you go buy at the store you make it yourself it's not that good for you but so many great flavors they even have flavor hacks on the website where you can go oh where's some good flavor combinations like take the vanilla and the uh uh, caramel apple pie, apple pie a la mode, hello, or my personal favorite, get the peanut butter chocolate and the banana. I call it the Elvis shake. Absolutely amazing. So you go to ketochow.xyz and place your order. Use the promo code RELENTLESS and I can save you 10% off your first order. Keto Chow, keto made easy. All right, so there's a couple of things I want to talk about here in my last yeah, little bit I've got on the show. Number one, let, let we have to look at CNN. I would be remiss if we didn't talk about Jeff Zucker and his sudden departure from the network. Now, he came out, and in his statement, he said that, well, you know, I've, I was having a relationship with this you know person who, you know, she's a you know close aide and, you know, we should have reported it to HR, but, you know, I didn't, so now I'm leaving. Well, my question is, okay, if that's something that gets you, like, a two-week suspension, if you're a regular schmuck at the network, why are you leaving over it? I mean, could it be that 
reports say you've been this in this relationship for a lot longer than 40 years. Like several years ago when she worked at another network, married to somebody else. Actually, no, she worked at NBC with you and married to someone else. And her family moved into the same apartment complex just like just on a different floor. And your torrid affair was going on then. A lot farther back than than four years. Frankly, uh, Brian Stelter actually got it right when he said that uh, Chris Cuomo is just burning everything down. And because you look at some of the people who, despite their challenges, they kept them on staff. Jeffrey Tubin. I do not want to rehash why he was suspended and lost his job for uh, the New Yorker. But that wanker just doesn't know when to keep his pants on. But he wasn't fired from CNN. Granted, he was not acting in an official capacity as a CNN employee when he did that. So, eh. I don't like the justification, but it kind of it, it's kind of a winner. But they didn't fire him, Chris Cuomo, for a long time. Like when it was revealed that he had been, you know, helping his brother Andrew how to craft a response to, uh. You know, these allegations of sexual misconduct against him. Not only advising him, but, you know, throwing out key bullet points to and turns of phrase that Andrew Cuomo turned around and used in speeches that people from CNN were repeating back on the air. My question is, what else do they know? If, you know, some brief affair is worth quitting over, which I don't think it is, what do they have on Zucker that when they fired Cuomo, Cuomo went full, uh, went full Russian army? Now, I'm going to explain this because it, we've all heard that, you know, oh, you, you never invade Russia in the wintertime. Look what happened to Napoleon. Well... Napoleon actually invaded in the summer. The thing was, they didn't plan on moving super slow. They wanted to, you know, they wanted to move very fast. So they didn't bring a lot of food stocks because they figured, you know, we need beef, we'll slaughter cows, and we'll butcher cows on the way. We need we need wheat, we'll take it from the fields. That was their plan. The Russians, seeing how seeing how light they were traveling, they said, oh, this is too easy. And as they retreated further and further back towards Moscow, they slaughtered every pig, cow, horse, chicken, dog, whatever they thought a person would eat as food, they killed it. Every crop they came across... They torched it. And this is where the analogy 
goes to Chris Cuomo. Chris Cuomo is slaughtering the animals. He is torching the fields. And he's he's going to go out of his way to destroy as much of CNN as he can. Because, wait, I was doing this, but he's still here? I would love to see what dirt comes out on Jeff Zucker as the investigation into Chris Cuomo continues. Because Chris Cuomo is a lawyer. Just like Jeffrey Tubin is also a lawyer. Now imagine, as a lawyer, you're asked to go to the, C- go to the CEO's office because he, he was doing some shady stuff. And like, hey, as a friend, as an employee who happens to have a law degree, if XYZ were going on, what, what should I do about it? And then any kind of reasonable attorney will go, oh, if we're speaking in uh, hypotheticals, let's just assume that you did do it. How much of that dirt does do people like Cuomo and Tubin have on Zucker? That way, in a position where they were in where they should have been fired, they weren't. And in the case of Cuomo, they they kept him as they kept him until the backlash was so strong they that he had to resign. Just something to think about. What do they have on Zucker that it was resign or e- even worse information comes out? And speaking of worse information, last story of the night. This is going to make you want to call 811. I say call 811 because around here, we don't call 911. Around here, we defend our own homes. We defend our families. We call 811. Because, hey, when you're, when you're putting that, when you're burying that pedophile, you don't want to, you don't want to strike any sewer lines, water mains, you know, anything like that. So, we all know progressivism is cancer. That is a uh, that is a line that I have heard. I don't know how many times on the Steve Dace program, either either by the host Todd Erzin, his co-host slash partner in crime slash keeps him on track, whatever, or his producer Aaron McIntyre. Progressivism is cancer. Because it starts, it starts small. It always starts small. It's a growth, a lesion. Then it slowly begins to turn into a tumor. Then the tumor begins to grow and grow and grow, and then it starts metastasizing, spreading everywhere. It's, it's just how progressivism is. Progressivism is. Well, State University of New York. Let me tell you, they hire some real winners. Professor Stephen Kirshner, um, he's taking heat for defending pedophilia. 
or at the very least saying it's not obvious to him why it's even wrong. Even in the case of an adult having sex with a one-year-old. No, you look like an idiot. Uh, Faithwire reported on this macabre story on February 4th, writing that Kirshner felt bold enough to express these views on a recent episode of Brain in the Vat podcast. Uh, this episode has actually been deleted from YouTube, so maybe you have to find the actual podcast, not just the video. But, you know, and this is a, uh, a Red State article. Oh, no, not Red State. I digress. Newsbusters. Media Research Center. Though they feel that it should be left up as a mausoleum for left's most insane ideas. And I agree. The idea that it shouldn't be wrong. And believe me, I don't just attack the left. I attack anyone who would do harm to a child. Anyways, the transcript of Kirshner's words provided to provided by the outlet reveal that Kirshner first said he doesn't believe that an adult having sex with a consenting 12-year-old is wrong. I apologize for the uh, pregnant pause there. I had to uh, check myself before I had to put a... Uh, an explicit warning on this episode. He introduced the abominable scenario, saying, Imagine that an adult male wants to have sex with a 12-year-old girl. Imagine that she's a willing participant. A very standard, very widely held view is there's something deeply wrong about this. Well, okay. That's where I'm going to stop you there. That's where I'm going to stop you there, Kersey. Because there is something wrong with it. We don't live in the caveman days where if you were a male hoping to protect your genetic line, the ideal situation was to breed with as many females and as young of females as possible who could conceive. So that way your genetic material continues to live on. That's the reason why a thousand years ago, it's the reason why 2,000 years ago, you know, you'd have arranged marriages where, hey, you know what? My son is 14. He's young. He's virile. Strong. Your daughter is 12. She's just, you know, done that, done that thing for the first time. So she's fertile. Let's get them together. That way our pro that way our genetic lines live on. Or even adults taking brides that young. Because A, she you know, average age of death for a woman is 40. She's 13. That gives 17 years of childbearing before she goes. We don't live in that society anymore. And 
Yes, even though there are 12-year-olds who are having sex, it's a horrible thing to think about. It doesn't mean that they are fully cognizant of the full repercussions of that choice. That is the reason why you have people who are in their, you know, who are adults. It's the reason why you see them pretending to be teenagers and grooming them, getting them used to the idea of sex because it's foreign enough of a concept that, well, I don't know. And they have to manipulate them into being, quote, consenting parties, end quote. The fact that anyone would try to justify this, I'm sorry. Just like, just like those idiots over at the Lincoln Project who, oh, we never knew he was a pederast. Bullcrap. These ideas that, you know, children... Oh, children are just like adults, just smaller. This whole idea that a child can be a willing participant in a sex act with an adult, it's just wrong on so many, many levels. And these people are like completely clueless. They they live in such a bubble where people think this that they said they don't have a clue. I don't know what's wrong with it. Um Dude, you're like fifty. You are twenty eight years older than her. Think about that. There's an entire generational, there's like a two-generation gap between you and her. And the idea that he's not even remotely appalled at this idea is just stomach-turning. And my question is, if he's considering this, what thoughts go through his head that would allow him to think about this? Is he a person who, you know, has a dark web browser on his computer? So that way he can facilitate these things through, you know, through imagery that is illegal as all get out? Is are these actual internalized feelings that Well, yeah, I feel this way, but I, I shouldn't I shouldn't I shouldn't feel I shouldn't be wrong for feeling this way. There's only one cure for this disease. And it's administered through suppositories of lead through the cranium.
All right, that's going to wrap up this episode for this week. Ooh, it was a doozy. Let me tell you, just doing my research and going through the material that I found for the this week's episode, it's frustrating. Get your dander up. But until you actually start talking about it, I'm one of those people that my emotions kind of hit real time. I can read a paper and go, huh, well, that story pisses me off, and then I'm done. But then the minute I start reading the story, and you know, I have to come up with commentary on the story, because I'm, yes, the entire show is a monologue. I understand that. But the uh, thing is, now my monologues are pre-written. So you'll hear me stop for a couple seconds as I'm trying to figure out the exact words I want to use because sometimes the words I want to use is they're not very polite. And I want to be a polite guy. I really do. So that's just kind of one of those things. And before I go, I do have to say this. It was on this day three years ago that the person who inspired me to start this show died in a horrible, horrible uh, accident. I'm talking about Doc Thompson. Doc Thompson was the consummate professional, the consummate entrepreneur. He was a guy who, while working at The Blaze, was like, you know... I want to start a platform that gives up-and-coming talkers the ability to get out there and start getting their voice heard. So that way they can you know, maybe go on to bigger and better things in this industry the way I had to, but without near the headaches that he had to. Because he was top 40 DJ, he traveled all over the country, and with the internet, you, can, you have people who can host these, these shows from their homes. Doc was an amazing guy. I don't know how many shows of his I heard, you know, had my earbuds in while getting a tr- getting a flatbed trailer ready to unload at 6 o'clock in the morning. Doc was loved by everyone who knew him. He's loved by people like me who have never met him. But... I'm just going to leave you with the five rules real quick. Number one, eh, I'm getting all kind of, getting all kind of misty here. So I'm, I'm going to have to pull this up to actually look at it or else I will screw it up. The rules, Doc Thompson's rules for life. Number one, don't be a jerk. Number two, keep the talent happy. Number three, always come clean. Number four, it's not offensive if it's true. And number five, just because you can doesn't mean you should. So, Doc, here is to when you and I can meet face-to-face on God's golden shore. And you can finally give me 
those numbers on procrastination you have been promising for so long. If you like the show, please, if you want to support the show, go to coffee.com slash Tyler Morgan Show. That's ko-fi.com slash Tyler Morgan Show. There you can buy a cup of coffee. You can buy me a cup of coffee once a month, whatever the case may be. And just, you know, all that money that comes in, it helps go towards the show. Um, there will be a link in the show notes. That way, if you kind of missed it or it doesn't make sense, I said, click the link, boom, you're there. Also, be sure to, uh, you know, same four things I ask every week. Number one, please subscribe to the show. Got to keep those numbers up. The more people who subscribe, the more it tells the algorithms, hey, other people might like the show. Number two, please rate the show. I'm looking for five stars. I will accept four. I will accept four. Three and below, we need to have a conversation. If I can't convince you, I will have to apologize if I have to call 811. That's a joke. Don't get mad. After you have rated the show five stars, remember, except four, I want five. Then please write a review. That way as it pops up in people's, hey, you might like this, they click on it, they go look at the uh, reviews and go, okay, everyone seems to really like this guy. Except for that turd sniffer. That turd sniffer over there, he's got problems. But hey, he called he called me a wannabe Alex Jones, so I'll give him that. It's a compliment of the highest order. And finally, once you have subscribed, you have rated, you have reviewed, I ask to do the last thing. Please, please, please share this episode. Also, be sure to go back and check out uh, the other episode that came out this week, uh, my interview with John Androsik. He came back on the show. We talked about, talked about, um, Oh, blood on my hands. The new video he made in front of the white house with, you know, all the footage that came out of Afghanistan that he made the video with the content warning. Then YouTube took it down nine hours later. They said, Hey, we will put this back up, but you have to accept a content warning. And it's like, uh, I put one on myself already, but cool. You, you can't have too many, can't have too many warnings because there's some pretty, uh, some pretty rough stuff on that video that, you know, was floating all over Facebook and YouTube in the days after the collapse. Uh, great conversation about his new project, you know, Meet the Heroes. Again, check that out. There's a link to uh, the first Meet the Heroes episode that he posted in the show notes for that episode. So please, again, go check it out. John Androsik is an awesome guy. Please download the song on Apple iTunes or wherever you get your music. So again, thank you so much for listening. And as always, stay relentless. The Tyler Morgan Show is a relentless daring media production. The Tyler Morgan Show is supported by its listeners. To support the show, go to ko-fi.com slash Tyler Morgan Show to donate there or RelentlessDaring.com and hit the donate button at the top of the page to set up your donation. All music used in the Tyler Morgan Show is used with permission from PurplePlanet.com. Link in the show notes. 2 Timothy 1.7